Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Ariel Arbisser, a singer-songwriter and performance coach originally from Davenport, whose debut solo album, Risk of Love, was just released. Hi there, Ariel. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Well, congratulations, first of all, on your album. It's It's been in the works for quite a while now. When did you first start on this project? We had the whole album recorded in or 2018, excuse me, almost exactly three years ago now. And uh, it was all set to kind of come out and, and get ready to go. And I just had some life stuff come up and, you know, a bad relationship and kind of got knocked off my uh, trajectory and just decided to take a break. And it happened to be right before COVID. And then that was a forced break, <laughs> uh, that was really, of course, COVID came along with so many losses and devastation, uh, for our society. Um, but for me personally, the pause really gave me a chance to realize that I had some emotional stuff to kind of work through and allowed me the time to do that. Um, and I was able to pick up the pieces of the album and jump back in with a full heart to do it. And, uh, and it's really benefited overall. We remixed everything and I have, uh, I was able to put together an amazing show to release it live in my town here. And I'm, I'm really grateful looking back at the timeline. Mm -hmm. There were some positives weren't there from COVID. And I think many of us did benefit from that pause. When you said your town now, you're, you're originally from the quad cities, but you're living in New York right now. Yeah, I grew up in Davenport, Iowa, and I have lived almost since I left Iowa. I've lived in Ithaca, New York, um, spent a few summers elsewhere and have done a lot of traveling. But this is really my base. Mm -hmm. Your voice has been described as a big modern day voice with a throwback vibe. How do you <laughs> see your music and this latest compilation in particular? I think that... I think that description for my voice is fairly accurate. I think that my voice has a lot of different shades to it. Um, people who listen through the entire album, I think, tend to be surprised track after track that there's just different uh, styles that come out uh, pretty extremely in each song. And uh, and I think that came from growing up uh, mimicking a lot of different singers. And it took me until really my 20s to find my own sound. And it's just a conglomeration of all of those other people uh, in the way that works for me. Um, and the album is uh, it's pop music with a sort of a dramatic rock vibe to it. Uh, and it stands out from a lot of other current pop music because it's recorded with the live band and not a bunch of digital stuff going on. Uh, and all of the background vocals I actually did myself, uh, which was a, a lot of fun and, uh, it makes for an interesting listening experience. Mm -hmm. Well, you have such a powerful voice and the title of your album risk of love is, is so apt because because there are many risks, many, many risks associated with love, with allowing yourself to be vulnerable. But, mm. um, you know, this album is more than, than just romantic love. You're addressing other forms of love as well on it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, uh, I am someone who falls, I, I get very attached to people very quickly. I, my family likes to tell a story of when I was really young, maybe three years old and we would travel and I wanted to always have the single seat if there was a single seat so that I could make friends with whoever I was sitting next to. And inevitably when we had to say goodbye to that person an hour or two later, I was just devastated at the idea of never seeing them again. And that, that feeling has really persisted throughout my life that, uh, you know, I am very aware when I let myself get that connected, that I am going to have some heartbreak at some point, whether we love for a lifetime, whether it's friendship or family or romantic love, you know, your connection to your community, eventually there's going to be some kind of uh, break in that if it's loss or betrayal or anything that can come up and, uh, you know, create a, uh, a void or a, some kind of disconnect. Well, your album focuses on love and the inevitable loss that goes along with it. It also, you know, there's a nod to mental health, to a sense of community. And I think that's what I'm, I think you're alluding to as well is, is, um, you know, as we go through our life, we, we do build this community around our, ourselves with people who, um, you know, who we come into contact with in, in many nuanced ways. It's, it, it's not just about our, our friends and, and family. We can love in so many different ways. Was, and you, and you, you tell that story very well. Um, through these songs. Was creating this album a cathartic process for you? Absolutely. I think that uh, writing the songs was very difficult. Sharing the songs with uh, other musicians to create the tracks was a challenge for me. Um, And everything since then has been incredibly cathartic. Uh, You know, working on after the musicians initially heard the music Everything after that has been amazing where, you know, getting feedback from different people about what stands out to them, what they resonate with. Uh, The first time I had the opportunity to perform these songs was actually in front of my parents and my all of Ithaca, really, which was uh, both terrifying and incredibly validating that I was revealing myself so completely. Um including, especially including the mental health side of things. Uh, There's a song on there, Still Breathing, that uh, was one of the singles released before the full album came out that really is about the, the struggle that I have felt when I have been really low in a depressed place and know that someone who I care about is trying to connect with me, trying to show me support or trying to love me. And I, I want to be able to give it back to them, but I don't have the capacity in that moment. And it's just asking them to hold on, you know, and just to wait and know that you're trying and that you're doing your best. And I think that song, I just remember so vividly performing it for the first time, how everyone just suddenly understood me a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We'll play a little bit of that song now. It's entitled Still Breathing. And 
And that refrain, still breathing, I'm still breathing, really caught my attention because, uh, you know, with social media and the hyper curated images that we see of everyone constantly barraged with these images of perfection and reality, mm-hmm. life is very, very messy, isn't it? Absolutely. It's so very messy. <laughs> So are there other musicians that you've drawn inspiration from in the past? Vocally, I definitely draw a lot of inspiration from um, a lot of soul singers, um, current and past. I think Etta James, Aretha Franklin, uh, some current singers I would call out are um, Alice Russell from the UK and Joss Stone, also from the UK, and Sarah Bareilles. Um, And certainly there's little uh, shades of musical theater going on uh, that definitely, you know, Audra McDonald and, uh, and Marin Mazzi uh, I grew up listening to. And I think that it's impossible for that not to come out of me at certain p- points. Uh, and as far as songwriting is concerned, I think that um, I've been really lucky to be around incredible songwriters uh, in the acapella world, especially uh, where I spent almost a decade of my professional singing career after college and um, including the group Aurora has just one of the most incredible albums in my generation of acapella, at least called Bioluminescence. And their album really does focus a lot on mental health and love also in a way that inspired me to be a little more vulnerable with my writing. Well, after leaving the Quad Cities, and again, you, you grew up here in Davenport, you you went to Davenport Central High School. <laughs> yeah. um, but then after you left, you you attended Cornell University. And like you said, you've, you've remained in Ithaca, New York for quite some time. Um, and the acapella sphere or world is, is interesting. What is it about acapella work that you find gratifying and how does it differ from other types of vocal work that you've done? Acapella is really incredible. I, I find that first of all, sorry, first of all, there is a physical and mental benefit from singing with other people. It's just scientifically proven that that's the case. Um, our health improves our, our lung capacity, our, our breathing improves, um, and our mood lifts, uh, by singing in harmony or even in unison with other people. And I think that whether or not we know that that's happening, we feel that from it. Um, and acapella definitely, I got attached to in college. I was a part of a really incredible co-ed group in college called the Cordials at Cornell, uh, who, while I was there, happened to be one of the top groups in the country. And, really propelled me to the acapella career that I had. Um, and in the larger acapella world post collegiate, uh, there's just every genre of music you can imagine. And it's a worldwide community that's not too big. So we all kind of know each other or it's two degrees of separation at most. And, uh, it's really beautiful. I learned so much and was able to, kind of participate in every single aspect of that community and uh, brought that with me into this album. A lot of the people that I created relationships there were a part of either co-writing some of these songs or a part of the production team. 
one of the many acapella groups that you worked with in the past was called the Funks. And uh, you actually recorded with them a jingle years ago for WVIK. Our listeners will probably remember that. It was our phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We did that on a whim as we were leaving the studio, I think, after an interview there. Uh, and I heard for years you still played it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you uh, got some use out of it. And funnily enough, the Funks are soon releasing our final album, which will be all originals. And about half of that album will be uh, about half of Risk of Love's album. <laughs> uh, so it'll be kind of exciting to have different versions, the acapella version and the uh, instrumental version of those songs. So fun to well, look great. at. Well, I, I have to tell you that twice a year when the um, fundraising campaign happens, I remember the phone number from your jingle. So it was, it was very effective. <laughs> I'm glad. You know, jingles are the best. That's that's how it works. I still remember, uh, I hope it's okay that I say, car dead, call Fred. <laughs> uh -huh. I, uh, 3919666. <laughs> that's, that's stuck in there for about 25 years. <laughs> you know, there's so many different facets of music that you become involved with besides the acapella work, which is extensive. You, you also alluded to your work in theater. You've worked with the Actors Workshop of Ithaca, as a performance mm -hmm. coach. And can you describe the teaching model that you've, that you developed there? Yeah, I think I, I ended up leaving Cornell, uh, a little bit early because I wasn't, you know, I was struggling with my mental health and knew that I wanted to pursue music, which is not what I was studying there. And so I, I decided to leave a little bit early and realized I should, uh, learn a little bit about acting <laughs> because, eventually I was going to be on stage more often and should have some tools to manage that well. And I kind of on a whim joined the Actors Workshop of Ithaca, which is a two-year program in the Meisner Technique, uh, which is really all about teaching ourselves how to stay in the moment, especially for people who are doing a play 200 days a year or uh, are singing the same song at every performance uh, how to keep it fresh and, and be real each time. And that program for me was life-changing. And I took some of the uh, techniques that I learned there to create the singing module called Sing It Like You Mean It, where I would go to acapella festivals and colleges and high schools and work with groups and individual singers to kind of help them break out of the what I call the American Idol uh, uh, fad, I guess that, uh, if you just sing really loud and really high or, you know, hit a lot of notes on one word, then you should be the best, which it is technically impressive, but I personally am more drawn to performers who reveal themselves on stage and maybe aren't perfect, but aren't perfect because they're so vulnerable and, uh, and so the work that I do with singers and all performers really is to help them allow themselves to be vulnerable and real on stage. And, uh, and I try to bring that into my music as well, of course. It reminds me almost of a mindfulness program for vocalists. Is, th is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that what it really does is allow you to fully embody while you are performing. So instead of 
the classic example that I always think of is that I used to experience is that when you're singing, when you're performing, you can't figure out what to do with your hands, right? This happens on in theater too. What, what are we supposed to do with our hands? Uh, you know, they look awkward, they feel big and, and weird. And if you use Meisner appropriately, you won't even, that won't even occur to you because you're so focused on the communication that's going on between you and whether it's your partner in a play or between you and the audience, which is how I, um, coach singers, they're either speaking to the audience or they're speaking to someone specific in their minds who is living in the world of the audience, uh, then there's no other decision making that needs to happen because we just have to experience that conversation in real time. And it doesn't matter what you're doing with your hands, your hands will move how they need to move to communicate what you're trying to say. I'm sure you're looking forward to being able to teach in person somewhat soon. Yeah. I, I, has it, I, I, it must've been just an immense challenge trying to do some of this remotely. Uh, although, um, I'm imagining you were able to do some via zoom. Was it, did it work out? Yeah, it's interesting. We, we tried to continue the actors workshop a little bit on zoom or at least kind of loosely. And the big struggle is that you don't have the ability to have eye contact. Right. And so, and that's a, a pretty big thing in Meisner specifically, uh, for the exercises that we do, especially with the beginner students. Um, so we worked mostly with the more advanced students on scenes and monologues and things like that. Um, I, I was able to continue private coaching voice students and, uh, some other performance coaching with, um, someone who did want to learn Meisner privately and understood that it might not be quite as effective as if we were in person, uh, and, you know, helping a young man write a play who was just trying to like gain some confidence in, in performance and in directing. And, uh, it's, it's been interesting. COVID definitely pushed me to be a little more creative with how I, coach people to find their, uh, their confidence. Well, Ariel Arbusser, thank you so much for talking today and, and congratulations on your album release. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I hope that everybody has a moment to look it up. Risk of Love, the debut solo album by Quad City native Ariel Arbusser is available for listening on all digital platforms and was just released October 15th. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Cause I'm